Hello, hello, hello. You're welcome to the Startup Lagos Podcast, a podcast dedicated to highlighting the bubbling scene of the growing startup community of the city of Lagos. And I'm your host, Olumide Olainka. And if you'd like to subscribe to the show, join us on SoundCloud, iTunes, RSS, at startuplagos.co. Um, if you would like to ask a question online, just hashtag RDMLSW17. And uh, we'll see the questions as they come in and ask them as appropriate. Okay, so we'll start from the end here um, and just introduce who we have here. So I'll ask you guys to do your own introduction. Um, what I'll do is go through, each one of you will just give me your name your title, what you do, and on top of that, I want to know one unique thing about you. So we'll start from you. Thank you. Still on? Um, my name is Johnny, Johnny Amal. Uh, title, country, country manager for the Mobile Hunter. Uh, Mobile Hunter is a digital media sales house. Uh, we focus on mobile inventories for brands and agency leverage. Uh, unique thing about me. There are quite a lot of many things unique about me. Um, everything digital is unique about me. Great. Okay. Any question? Okay. No, that's fine. Okay. No. Okay. So I will give my unique facts. So my name is Elizabeth Oputa. I am director of accounts at RDM. Um, one unique thing I would say about me is I said my first word at the tender age of three months. That's great. There's video. <laughs> Can you beat that? No, I can't. <laughs> <laughs> okay, it's fine. Not even trying. <laughs> it's fine. Thank you. Hi, everyone. Uh, my name is Ayo Akifemwa. I work as an agency manager at Google. Um, unique thing about me, <laughs> I'm not sure. <laughs> um, I mean, I had my wedding about two months ago. To my primary school sweetheart, so you might have seen the pictures online. Oh, <laughs> congrats! Um, my name is Solomon Nana. I uh, executive director for RLGW, we're a marketing agency uh, focused on offline and and online uh, marketing. Uh, unique thing about me, I eat breakfast for dinner. <laughs> That's a nice one. <laughs> Hi everyone, um, my name is Uchechi Wanidrafo. I'm the Senior Business Development Manager for Eskimi. Uh, so Eskimi is a media company and we have uh, a DSP, a Programmatic Advertising Network, that allows us to reach 38 million Nigerians across different sites and apps. Um, a unique thing about me, I've actually thought of this question, I really, I'm me, I mean, no one has my thumbprint <laughs> anywhere in the world, or so I am just uniquely me, thank you. It doesn't get more unique than that. <laughs> Thank you. So the first question, I'll, we'll just jump right in. The first question I'll start off with is um, programmatic marketing. So that's something that I think everyone feels like everyone else is doing, but some people aren't quite sure what it is and what it is about. So can any of you just walk us through programmatic marketing benefits, just a breakdown, like in layman's terms, what someone can understand about it? Um, okay, so 
programmatic advertising will be very difficult to explain in layman's terms because it's a very techy topic, you know, but I'll just try as much as possible to break it down. Um, in simple terms, programmatic is um, an automated way of buying media spaces online through uh, a real-time bidding system. So basically, we have a software that uh, controls the buying, the placement, and the optimization of um, your ads on different sites and apps. Um, so what I usually you know, say is programmatic means reaching your target audience um, at the right place with the right message at the right time. So uh, a programmatic platform, basically there are three things or three terms that defines it. One, you have the supply side platform, which is um, where all the publishers, you know, the likes of Linda, Bella, they all you know, open up their sites for monetization to people like Google, uh, Rubicon, Smarto, we call them ad exchanges. So the suppliers have the publisher lists, and we, the DSP owners, the demand side platform, we buy traffic from the suppliers on behalf of clients. So say for instance, Unilever comes to me and say, I want to run a campaign, and my target audience are youths, females between 18 to 45, and I have that data set on my data management platform as a DSP owner. So what I do is I have um, the KPIs, I know what they want. And so when the supply side, Google guys tell us, hey, there's an impression available on Linda, for example, for sale. This thing happens in like milliseconds, right? So um, the DSP, since it's automated, cross-checks that available impression based on the data we have. Does it fit our client's KPI? Are the female audiences there, the age? Uh, because when, when Linda opens up her traffic, we have the data about those who visit the site as a user and all of that. So we cross-check you know, what our client wants with what you know, the suppliers are giving us. If we like what we see, we then place a bid based on the budget we have, the average CPM. So when we place a bid, then it's an auction, right? So we're not the only ones who wants to serve an ad on that site. We have different people, Coke, for example, uh, Pepsi. Everyone is bidding for that particular placement on Linda. So we all start bidding. I say 50 naira. Coke, the person running Coke's campaign says, oh, I have 60. This, this um, client is very valuable to me. Uh, Pepsi could say, no, I have 18 naira. So we just keep bidding like that. The system does the bidding, of course. That's why we have a DSP. And then the impression goes to the highest bidder. So whoever places the last bid gets to win the impression. So basically what it means is if you don't have enough budgets to place enough bids, you cannot reach certain target audiences, basically. So uh, in layman's terms, that's just what programmatic is all about. The supply side sells traffic to the demand side, and we buy the traffic based on available data on our data management platform. So basically. That's it. Thank you. Thank you. That was a really comprehensive explanation. Um, you mentioned a lot of, um, you touched on data a lot, and so that's pretty much what's driving these ads. Um, data in Nigeria, is this something that you're seeing that we're taking um, advantage of? Um, so t I would say not quite, because, so in terms of digital marketing, we recently in Nigeria just, well, Digital marketing managers, for example, are just beginning to understand the value that digital marketing gives. So as opposed to traditional media, I say three to five years ago, digital marketing budgets were about, what, five, ten percent of the entire marketing budget. But now we see that changing because there's this unique thing about digital. So you have measurability, accountability, transparency, real-time uh, flexibility of your campaigns. You could pause it, you could stop it, you could optimize it, you could do different things to it. Whereas when you put up a billboard, 
it is there for the duration of the time you bought it. It has to be there. You can't say, oh, my users are not seeing it enough. It's not going to see the right people, pause it, and all that stuff. But with digital, you can do that. And also, digital gives you a lot of data. So like I said before, on our DSP, for example, when we have different data sources, right? So when we get that data, we can profile people into different segments. He's interested in sports. He's, he's male. He's you know, middle class. If his GPS and location is on, we can track his daily movement. So if we see he goes to Victoria Island every day, uses like an office Wi-Fi, we know he's, a, he's a, an employer, a business person. So we have all that data, right? And uh, when you then go to a client to sell, stuff like that, they, and you put a value to that data, it's like, no, it's too expensive. Let's just run the normal campaign that we know. We can't do this. We can't do that. So I would say they, we still have a long way to go in terms of leveraging data um, for digital campaigns. It's very important because, for example, when you have data when you run a campaign, we save all the audiences who clicked on the ad. We know all the audiences who visited your sites but did not take an action. We know all that information. So if you want to run another campaign, we then build on that previous information so that your campaigns are optimized. You get lower costs. You're reaching people who actually engaged with your ad before. As opposed to when you run a campaign, you stop, you know, the data is deleted, it's gone, you're starting all over again, you're not able to build an audience, you know, for, for your campaign. So I think we're gradually getting there, but you know, we still have we still have a long way to go. Yeah, definitely important um, data. Ayo, can you walk us through some ways that we can go about gathering data on campaigns? Um sure. I'd say the first thing you want to think about as regards data is what you know about your consumer. Um, so very quickly, people go online and jump into buying ad spaces or buying ads and all of that stuff. But I think the critical thing is really ask questions around who am I trying to reach, right? What do I know about the user? So if, for instance, I'm a boutique in Lekki, I'm a female-focused boutique, right? I know I'm trying to reach females probably living around this vicinity between the ages of X and Y, right? I want to try as much as possible to paint a picture of who the potential consumer would be. After I understand that, I can then think about how do I reach these people online, right? What kind, what's their media habits, right? How do they tend to move across the digital um, landscape, right? Do they spend time on social media? Do they spend time on email? Do they spend time in apps? All of those different things, right? I think it's easier to reach a consumer once you have defined them rather than you understand them. What's also very interesting about digital is the fact that you can go beyond what you know or what you think you know about your consumer to find out other interesting things. For instance, you think that people who buy cars are males, ages X to Y. But when you go do your research, you find out that females are actually influencing the decision on what cars to buy, right? And you can easily adjust your targeting or your campaigns to reach all of those, those people. Um, and there's the other thing that I used to say is that in the era of social media and digital, there's a tendency to, oh, let's just open a social media page and we're all good, right? And very few people invest in building their own house. Which, I, which is your website. So I like to call your website your own house, right? Open a social media page is all good and nice, but you're limited as far as data is concerned. But once you have your own house, your own website, you can harvest a whole lot of data, right? You can understand who's coming to my page, who's leaving my page, how long are they spending, 
Where are they coming from? What buttons are they clicking on on my website? Where are they living? You can harvest a whole lot of data from just your website without doing any promotion at all, right? And having that picture of who a potential customer is then helps you to buy or target effectively across the digital landscape. So my challenge to most small businesses or startup is that at least have a landing page where if people Google you, they can land on and read some basic information about you and it's easy for you to add those people into a list, right? So I'm, I'll try not to go technical, but every time someone visits a website, for instance, a cookie is added to their browser, right? And you can tell that somebody has been to their page. That also gives you an opportunity to reach that person after they have left, right? Now, if you don't have your own website, you cannot build, you cannot reach that person. You can't build that list. And that information is critical. And there are so many tools online that helps you understand who's been to your website, what action they've taken, where have they left, and all of that. Right? We have our own tool, it's called Google Analytics, and it's for free. Um, and that gives you a whole lot of information about um, your consumers. So that's really interesting. Thank you for that. I just wanted to point out again that if anyone is watching online, feel free to ask questions using the hashtag RDMLSW17. Um, so that's really interesting what you say about websites because we get a lot of customers coming to us and saying we don't need a website, we have a Facebook page. So can you just, just say it again, <laughs> why is a website important? Okay, let's say it like this. If, for instance, I haven't heard about your business at all, right, so we're all small business owners here. In fact, what's interesting is that even those in the professional side have side hustles, right, so we all have something that we're that we're running. Now think about a potential customer for a brand. So if, for instance, I sell blazers, right, and somebody needs to buy blazers, he's never heard about me, right, how would he find me? He doesn't know my social media page. He'll probably go search for me, right? He can search on social media. He'll probably search on Google search. How will he find you without a mobile landing page, right? And it's very cheap to open pages. There are a lot of tools that allow you open pages for free. There's Wix that allows you to create a very simple mobile landing page for $5 or less. Like, it's really affordable. And once you have it, you keep that information. Now, you can then go and open your social media pages or any other thing that you need to do, but only to direct people back to your landing page, your own house, your website, right? So again, I like to paint the picture of, think about having a store in Lekki, that's your, that's where you want to bring customers in. But every now and then, you put billboards outside to attract people and let them know that you're here, and you bring them into your store. Social media is that billboard, right? Display advertising, video advertising, search advertising is that billboard, right? After they have seen, you want to try to bring them into your house, because besides just marketing and all of that stuff, information that you understand and you know about them helps you become effective and efficient in the way you reach them and the way you communicate to them. And very easily, you can customize messages for your target audience, right? So I can't say it enough, right? Every business needs to have their own website or mobile landing pages in addition to other pages that they might have, right? And from there, you can do really interesting things on digital. Thank you. Um, and so as you mentioned target audience, I think target audience is, is almost become a buzzword that we use a lot. And if you're not really familiar with marketing, you may not exactly be clear on exactly what that is. So Solomon, can you just walk us through um, target audience? Just help break that down for us. 
Um, so I think I kind of touched a little bit on on what you know a target audience is supposed to be. Um, like he says, if you're selling a blazer. Um, Knowing exactly who buys blazers is helpful, right? So maybe you know you're looking at someone who's working past the the uh, university stage. So you would say your target audience is a, a male. So let's say you're selling male blazers, right? Your target audience is from 21 to 65 uh, male, um, and then you now go and so so doing any sort of advertising or marketing to get that audience will be based on who you think is buying your stuff, um, and I think. Oftentimes, people, uh, like Aya says, just go open social media pages without having somewhere where people can go back to. Um, and I think it, knowing your target audience well helps you to kind of do the proper marketing to be able to get, get a hold of them. Thank you. Um, Obintan, thank you for joining us. So the next question goes to you, and then you can also introduce yourself in the process. But how does one go about actually identifying their target audience online? All right, thanks for the question. Um, my name is Odun Banjo and I run um, Twin Pine. Twin Pine is a mobile marketing platform um, founded in 2011. And we have been in the space doing a lot of work, educating, uh, working with publishers and advertisers to help them make the best of mobile, right? Um, to answer your question, how do you identify, right, your target audience? Um, essentially, talk. Uh, Marketing, mobile marketing or digital marketing in the broader sense is all about targeting, you know, getting the right message to the right, you know, customer, right? And the concept of targeting a particular audience is increasing the chances of converting that user or that prospect into a customer, right? Um, and in order to do that, you really need to pay attention to data or pay attention to signals. Um, so you need to understand who are the you know, people who are most likely to convert to a customer. Um, and um, based on whatever it is you're selling, whether you're a retail company selling um, consumer products, um, your, your idea is to look for who are the you know, people who are most likely to buy these cost, um, products. For example, the P&G, um, you find that they spend a lot of money pushing out videos um, targeted at women um, who are between maybe 25 to 45 because these are the people who buy their products in stores um, and they know that the way that they would um, get those people to continue buying their products or increase their market share um, is by you know creating an emotional connection with those people using videos that's their strategy um, so you know identifying where um, where, you know, if you spend those marketing um, naira or dollars, um, is, is going to give you the highest return on investment is um, the first step to creating effective marketing campaigns. Um, so understanding that age group, that sex, that location, um, and building like a, a bucket or a segment with uh, people who are, you know, who fall into those targeting um, brackets is how you actually go about it. Thank you. Wonderful. And when you talk about executing effective campaigns, um, what are some of those tactics, the best tactics that you know of to drive conversions? Um, yeah, so, so one thing we're seeing in the space right now is um, a lot more, I mean, I'm starting earlier um, this morning, um, there's a lot more focus on conversions or performance-based marketing by brands and businesses. Um, so in the early days, 
I mean, five, ten years ago, it was all about just pushing out a message. And so it, the focus was on clicks and impressions. Um, but these days, people are paying more attention to return on investment or conversions. What do I get back when I invest this you know, kind of budget? Um, when I reach these people, what do I expect to get back? Um, so what is, is really um, important um, in this case is to be able to um, find a way to tie in that campaign um, and get tied to the metrics that you're able to get in return. So you run a campaign and you already have a set out um, idea of how much you want to get from as a result of running that campaign. So for example, you have an app and you want people to download that app, right? Um, you have a target um, cost per acquisition and you have um, the channels where you want to run that campaign on. And so to get the best result of that campaign, you need to be able to study certain um, data points or signals when you run that campaign. So you see, for example, these are the channels that gave me these results, right? Um, these, are, these are the times of the day when I got the best um, results. This is the creative that gave me the best um, clicks or the best downloads. And then you're optimizing against those um, signals that you're getting. So in a, in a, in a nutshell, um, you need to be studying a lot of data um, and signals that you're getting from the campaign for you to be able to optimize that campaign. Do you have something to add? Yeah. Um, and I think it's also important for the brands in the house to not always be focused on conversions, right? So you look at some campaigns like the campaign that Coke ran with the, uh, with the names in the bottle. I think top of mind, that, sure, Coke, right? The top of mind awareness is also very important. So sometimes we're running digital campaigns just for awareness. Right to be make to make sure that people know your name, know where you are, and what you're doing. And sometimes those don't convert immediately into uh, buying customers, but but the, the the fact that they know who you are and what you are and what you do um, will help your business down the line. Right. And as far as um, awareness, I think there are some KPIs that we can actually use to uh, measure that. Johnny, do you want to speak to that? Um. Um, usually, uh, before you start up a campaign, you should have some certain well-written-out, clear objectives, KPI you want to achieve. And uh, so KPI now differs from different brands to brands, agencies to agencies, uh, on the nature of the products that you're looking to sell, or on the nature of uh, it's an event that you're looking to push, or whatever it is that you're looking to push. Um, and in terms of awareness, right, uh, awareness basically in Lima's language means uh, how much people are aware that uh, a campaign is on or that you're trying to push a particular product. So for, from the instances that I gave earlier on the guy that is trying to sell blazers, um, if awareness is his focus, which primarily should be sales, but on the stage where, you know, because there are some instances where you need to phase your campaigns because uh, how you can know about you that you sell blazer by being first aware that you sell blazer before you can buy it. Uh, so you might, you might have to phase your campaign and say in the first two, three weeks of exposure, you're trying to make everybody to be aware that you are the guy here that sells yellow blazers or trendy blazers and stuff like that. And in those awareness phases, you need to consider that 
you are reaching the right target audience and not just you are selling a meal blizzard but you are reaching to everybody that uh, uh, that are in the open space or online no uh, you need to be fully you need to fully saturate your area of concentration first in terms of uh, who your target audience is so you need to do 100% fully focus on your target audience 100% and then those um, after when they're fully aware in the second week or in the third week they can move into engaging and then ultimately conversions that drive sales uh, so in terms of KPI um, um, for awareness uh, I'll probably say you need to to focus more on your target audience on who they are and you need to fully saturate uh, uh, what platforms appeal to those target audience yeah so Okay, so um, in addition to Johnny and um, all the other guys, I'd say generally in data marketing, we always say that whatever you can measure, you can optimize. So whatever you're doing, you want to ensure that you're measuring. Whether you're running a branding campaign or you're running a direct marketing campaign, which we call performance campaign, at any point in time, you want to ensure that you're measuring and you have KPIs. Now, whatever you're running, there are KPIs that you can track. If your goal is just to be out there, to let people see you and be aware about your brand. There are a lot of things you can track. You can track reach, you can track um, impressions, you can track um, share of voice, you can, you can track um, share of markets, you can track unique users. There's so many things that you can track just to ensure that people are seeing my brand and they are aware of my brand. You can also track your click-through rate your clicks and your click rate and all of these other things and they are all great right so on the branding side those are possibilities now on the performance side you want to go beyond just awareness i don't really care if everybody see i just want you to buy right and if you're a small business owner you are not really big about people seeing as a matter of fact you can put up a post on social media and a lot of people see it and you can see like one million views but nobody's buying right so as a small business owner your goal is to get people to buy Right, so what you're tracking is how many sales am I getting? How many calls am I getting? How many people are getting to my landing page, right? And what's interesting is that most people tend to only look at that final number, sales, right, or downloads. But there's a lot of information you can get from people who actually never completed that process, right? And we call that micro-conversions, right? So some people got to my landing page but did not call me. But for them to get to my landing page means that they were at least interested, right? So I need to track that. That could be very vital information for me. Perhaps there's a page on my, there's a button on my page that is broken that needs to be fixed. Perhaps my page is slow to load, right? Perhaps the number they're trying to reach isn't even reachable, right? So while it's great to track the final conversions, we also encourage business owners and brands to also track the micro conversions, right? So track the bounce rate, track the visits, track the buttons that were clicked, right? Track the um, basket abandonment rates, right? Track all of those different things as well as the final conversions and then compare your numbers and see if there are ways that you can improve. Wonderful, thank you. Um, and so we are chatted about that target audience and so the people that you're trying to get that traction from. And we know that um, a lot of business owners will say, well, I just want everyone to know. Why do I have to really break this down? But we know that there are benefits to actually having that target audience. And I know that you, Solomon, actually work with a niche uh, market. So can you just speak to the benefits of having a niche target audience? Yeah. Um, so having a niche audience makes your job a tad bit easier right so if you're 
Um, if you're not a Coke, for example, that is trying to get, get to a lot of people and you're a private jet company, right? Um, your, your strategies, your marketing strategies would be a little different. But even then, right, we found that, so I'll give an example. We work with, the, with, with the, a private jet charter company uh, called SaharaJets.com, and they do jet charter, jet management. Um, so for our target audience, which is, you know, ultra high net worth folks, you would assume that social media might not be the best place to get to them, right? But we found that we're getting a lot of customers from social media, right? Um, where we, we, we didn't think we'd do that. So we, we, you know, we have a very strong social media uh, presence, and we're getting customers from that. Um, but I, 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 you know, generally, when you have a niche audience, um, it makes your job a, a little bit easier in trying to get a hold of them. I know that I want to reach uh, young mothers from 25 to 35. I know where they shop. I know what they watch. Um, I know where they typically visit on, 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 you know, on digital, on, on social media, and then targeting my, my marketing to reach them um, makes my job slightly easier. So, you know, I think that goes back to what Aya said about defining your, your, uh, you know, your, target, your target audience. Once you know exactly who they are, what they do, um, and working with uh, companies that know Island and where they shop and, you know, uh, helps make your job a lot easier in trying to get a hold of them. Wonderful. Thanks, Tushay. Do you have anything to add there? Uh, well, well, not so much. He's pretty much said it all, right? Um, so, niche targeting is very, very important if, as a small business, you have a predefined uh, budget and group of people you want to reach. You're not trying, like he said, you're not, you're not Coke. You don't have a mass market product. You don't want to talk to everybody. You already have your identified target audience. And the good thing about, you know, technology we have now is, for example, on Eskimi DSP, we have different data sources. So we... We have a social network. I don't know if anyone knows about Skimmy Social Network. Came out like five, six years back. So when you when you created an account, you have to put in your name, email, location, phone number, and all of that. That is a data source for us. Your gender and everything. Then the second data source we have is um, the from the supply side platform, the publishers and all. If because we buy traffic on their site, if they leave it open. We're able to know if the user that came is, is male or female. We have all the information about them. And, and I think Aya mentioned the cookie. So if you don't clear your cache, we have everything about your browsing history, how frequent you browse, your data consumption habits, all of that. So our algorithm makes sense of that data. We then put, OK, this guy is male, preferably interested in sports. Uh, he's not really, he doesn't really consume a lot of data, probably 200 MB per, per week or stuff like that, or per month. And then when we profile those people, we have different audience segments. And if as a small business owner, you come to us and say, these are the people I want to reach. You know, We tell you, unique users in this audience segment is 600,000. Uh, you're able to serve about, let's say, 1.2 million impressions to them, which means each person will see your ad twice. So, like, that data just helps you, you know, you know who you're reaching, you know how much you need to reach them, you know how many times they're going to see your ad. You can then work out the expected, um, you know, results you want them to do. So, if, if they see my ad twice, will they click, will they ignore it, you know, different metrics, you know, like, like Johnny was saying, uh, and I.O., the click-through rates, if I serve them impressions, how many of them clicked? 
with all that information, you're able to run a more strategic digital campaign as a small business owner because you don't have a lot of ad spend to throw around. So niche targeting is very, very important and using technology that helps you identify you know, that data. And like Ayo said, you need a website. You know, Google Analytics like, is like the first before you say, okay, I want to run a display ad or something. What is the behavior on your website? It will then help you know even how to, which target audience to reach in the first place. So. Uh, I know I have to say that you know websites are, are, are go to because that's yeah. where <laughs> right that's that is where, but you know you look at a, a Facebook for example right uh, I think last quarter they did about nine billion dollars in advertising the, the the beauty of Facebook is you can you can micro target right so now everybody can do niche marketing um, so as much as it's great to have a website I you know Facebook provides a, an amazing tool for you to micro target and reach an audience right uh, I believe even 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 if you still want to direct them back or you still have to direct them back to your website uh, getting them to click through from Facebook uh, ad spend uh, is, an, is an amazing tool that we found as work with some of our clients Aya do you have anything to add to that I mean, I guess we can go back and forth and all of that. What everybody said is equally correct. I'd say um, in some instances, it's not maybe you're restricted by cost. And maybe opening or creating a landing page is not exactly par um, a priority for you, right? But then again, um, as a small business owner, selling is a priority for you, right? You always want to make get customers. And what everybody has, for instance, is a mobile phone. And we all have mobile numbers, right? It's possible to reach customers directly and get them to call you. So you're saying, I don't have time to invest in a mobile page. I just want people to call me and do business with me, right? And again, we have so many tools to help you cater for that. Um, one of the key tools for, for us is search. So, um, I mean, for, for us, search is that one platform where you can easily reach people who are looking for you at the point when they are looking for you. So again, I go back to the guy who's selling blazers and I go online and this is actually a personal experience because I had to do a lot of planning in the last few months and I had got in the shoes of being an actual customer and I saw how difficult sometimes it could be finding businesses all around, right? So I go online and I go search for blazers around me or where to find good blazers in Lekki, right? You as a blazer seller, you've created, so we have something called Google My Business page. Right, so with Google My Business, you can easily set up a business page um, and have it listed on Google Search. It's for free, right? Now, what Google My Business does is that every time people search for keywords that are relevant to your product or your service, Google Search will, will show your business, right? And what we do is that it's integrated into Maps. So we show people how to get to your business and um, using Maps, we'd also show a call button that allows people immediately click and call you and speak to you directly. There's a reviews notification. There's, a, there's an option to show what time you're open. There's so many features. And the great thing is that it's all for free, right? So now, the only thing that you have to do is think about what are the keywords that people who will buy from me, what kind of keywords would they be searching for? Are they looking for shoes? Are they looking for blazers? Are they looking for softwares, right? Putting together all of that and using that to reach people is a great way, right? And then you can decide, okay, I want to supercharge it. This is really working. I'm going to put some advertising spend behind it, right? So you can then put some paid search spend behind, right? So there's so many tools, there's so many options. It's um, the, the, the 
attack is on the business owners and um, yeah. And you touched on a really important word there, cost. I think that's the one thing on top of everyone's mind when embarking on digital campaigns. So this question goes out to the group. Um, to what extent does cost impact targeting and subsequent conversions? Um, so it affects cost affected to a very large extent. Um, some days ago, I had an experience with you know, a client and they say, when, when you have a lot of targeting parameters to your brand, you're already reducing the audience size by default. So for example, Eskimi DSP has 38 million you know, Nigerians and then you give us a brief, you want to run an ad for males age 18 to 45, Already males are like 60% of 38 million out, right? And then the age is already removing another segment of the market. And then by interest, you see sports, and then the audience size keeps reducing. Now, you're making it much more difficult, in quotes, to reach those guys online because it's not like a mass market product. So the, the deeper you're targeting, the more expensive and the more you know difficult it would be to find those guys online. So you find out that your costs go up a bit. You know, you can't, you can't run, so for instance, if I'm running a, a mass campaign for everybody, that means everyone that has a mobile phone that can browse, I can just reach them. So competition is not so high, right? Everybody is not, uh, there's no competition from other guys to reach the same person. So my CPM could be very low, 150, you know, 250, thereabout. But when, when you add gender, location, interests, and all those stuff, you're then reducing the audience size, and you're not the only one trying to reach those people. And then it could mean most of the sites in which we might find them are not your regular site because we always say follow your audiences. Don't just give a predetermined list of sites. I have mail, so they might be on go.com, live score. No, they might be playing some game on an app. They might be doing something else. So when we're following them, it might be very difficult. And so you see your cost per mail going to about 400, 500. Because like I said, we're not the ones controlling it. It's what the software has seen you know, to reach those guys. So the, I would say the deeper the targeting, the more your costs go up to reach those guys. The simpler your campaigns, just maybe a normal campaign based on your business though. So, but that doesn't mean, if you, if you have a very niche product, doesn't mean oh, because it's expensive, I wouldn't run it. No, because at the end of the day, you're looking at what would it, what would be the result of my ad spend. Even if I'm spending 500 to reach this guy, what is his lifetime value? What would he give me back? You know, you need to calculate that before you run the campaign. But ultimately what we've noticed is, the deeper the targeting criteria, the more, the more expensive it goes uh, to reach them. So cost really, really does affect. affect uh, and programmatic is a, it's a bidding system. So like I said, if your budget is not enough to bid to reach your target audience, you would, they wouldn't see your ad. You know, because you have other people competing for those same guys. So if you have a very small budget, and uh, we are trying to also minimize your budget so it doesn't go out before the set uh, campaign end date, and other people are bidding 15 naira, 16 naira, and we don't have that, we're like, okay, this is, this is a potential customer, but we don't have enough budget to serve that impression to him. And so we just step back, and someone else wins the impression, and you know, it doesn't all go well. So, but yeah, cost, cost has a lot to do with it. Um, what is really important in terms of thinking about cost in marketing, or digital marketing, is you have to figure out how it ties into your business model, right? Um, so 
It's what we call customer acquisition cost, and this is important for every business. You need to figure out how much are you willing to pay to acquire a customer that will make sense for you to be profitable or to grow or whatever your objective is. Um, an example is an Uber. When Uber goes into a market, they really don't care about profitability, right? This happens a lot in the startup especially the well-funded guys. They go into a market to capture the market. They really don't care how much they acquire a customer for. And so they spend a lot of money on marketing, they spend a lot of money um, to drive customer acquisition. And when they feel it's time to, maybe they've captured the market, then they can start revisiting those customer acquisition costs. Um, take a look at the e-commerce guys locally here also, Condor Junior, when they came into the market, they were burning cash through the roof, right? Everywhere, the ads were everywhere. Was just, they really didn't care about how much they were spending to acquire a customer. But that story has changed today. I'm sure you're not seeing the ads as frequently as you used to, right? Because they're paying more attention to how much does it cost me to sell a laptop on my, on my site? Or how much does it cost me to sell a shoe? Or how much does it cost me to reach, um, to sell, you know, products? Because they are, they're a selling company, right? They need to sell products for them, for, for them to be in business. Um, so I, I think what's really important here is to understand your business, understand the drivers of your business, understand the metrics that make you successful, and understand how digital or mobile marketing fits into um, that business model. Once you understand, I cannot acquire a customer beyond 100 naira, then you're, you're left to answer the question of what channels or what tools or what techniques am I going to use to achieve this um, customer acquisition um, cost. I'll give another example. We're working with a lot of the banks um, at one time to acquire um, customers, that's customer account opening um, services. So you see a lot of the banks today are going into retail. They're trying to get people to open accounts. That's the, they're no more down for just putting their banners on publisher sites and, and things like that. They're really focused on account opening. And that's a very easy uh, metric to measure. How many people open an account? There's no story, right? Um, if I spend this amount, how much does it cost me to open an account? And so the, the, a, a number of them already have that scene where they don't want to acquire a customer or have an account open beyond a threshold. And that's the KPI for them. That's the metric by which the business is going to hold them accountable for. And that's, you know, that, that determines everything about the campaign. What channels are we going to advertise to? What audiences are we going to reach? How much are we going to spend? You know, and, and all the planning of the, of the campaign. So, you know, the point here is whatever business it is you are in, selling shoes, selling um, whatever, um, service business, even if you're a spa or you're, you know, restaurant, whatever, how, what is your customer acquisition cost that makes sense for your business and then that would determine how you go about your marketing campaigns. Um, so there's two quick things to piggyback off of what they've said. Um, I think there are a lot of free, so one is there's a lot of free tools. Um, <laughs> I and the guys at Google make sure that there's a lot of free tools, right? Uh, you know, to kind of get your business out there. So, you know, you're not a well-funded Uber or you know any of these other companies, and you just want to start, right? So, from Facebook pages to you know the 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 the, the search, the, the my business search pages that you have on Google, um, to a lot of the free tools. If you go actually just go search, how do I get my stuff out um, on Google? You would see so many 
many free free tools. The other thing is content, right? Um, a lot of people miss the opportunity in creating dope content that could eventually go viral, right? Um, and so we don't have money for a big budget type ad, but we can put something out there that will catch on and everybody else will do the advertising for us. So I think before you start looking to, to, to you know, oh my God, I can't get started because I don't have the money for, for, for a big uh, mobile marketing budget or big digital budget, actually go look online and see what's there and what's free that you can use and what kind of content can you create around your stuff. Say for example, I'm a car washing service. People like to look at nice cars on Instagram. So I'm putting nice cars on Instagram while still suddenly selling my my car washing business. Um, it's not a it's not a you know out of, it's not an out of the box you know and it's not a big budget you know, uh, you know advertising advertising campaign, but it's a campaign that can pick on because most people just want to go to your site to see all the cool new cars that you have while you're suddenly selling um, the stuff that you have. So two, two, the two things are free tools and and creating content within your you know your small budget that will help sell your business. Yeah, so on that note, um, as a business owner, say I've decided to embark on a campaign. Um, I know my TA, so I know my target audience, I know how much I want to spend, I'm ready to run these ads. But exactly how important is creatives when it comes to um, running ads online and getting those conversions? This is open to the group. Okay, great. Uh, uh, when it comes to creatives, uh, I like to always be very specific with um, agencies or brands that I deal with. Um, each platform has different unique creatives, right? Uh, and essentially, when you're trying to focus on mobile, of course, you have to focus on mobile creative specifications across different platforms that you're looking to, to achieve. And each um, um, of these platforms have different performance expectations in terms of performance as it were, because uh, um, um, so, so, so as a matter of fact, I like to always address people that uh, if you're trying to run a creative, it should be something that is easy, easily understandable, something people can see and just grab your message in one or two seconds, then just have a very, very short attention span. We can't look at the banner and it's all A, B, C, and all worthy and all that. It has to be something very enticing, something very interactive. Uh, so we manage campaigns on BBM, Blackberry Messenger, and uh, we tend to tell people that uh, if your banner is 75% images and 25% text or less, it does it performs way, way better than if you have it the other way around. If you have 75% text, because nobody's going to read the whole space and everything is covered in text, and it won't drive more conversion. And then besides that, um, creatives, use of celebrities, use of popular figures, attract people if you're in that space. So if you're in the space of um, like the the case I was trying to paint about the guy selling Blizzard. If you're selling Blizzard, you're Creatives has to show pictures of very good trendy blazers that will capture the audience and everything. Not that you sell blazers and you put in natives and all that, uh, all that on the creatives. And again, uh, also pay attention to different platforms that you've already selected. You know, you've done your whole campaign planning, you've already elected the platforms you want to use, you've already sorted out um, how much you're willing to acquire on each platform. 
specific details to the creatives you'll be using for different attentions. So for instance, on BlackBerry Messenger, 3 by 250 tends to perform better. And on Facebook, the one with the bigger um, creatives, the 920 by 70 tends to perform better. And even across all the different display networking, different uh, banners attract different CTL and performance. Are. So you also need to pay detailed attention into how you, how you, how you do this. And when you also run your uh, campaigns in the first one, two weeks, go back into it, optimize, look at the best performance you had, look at the best performance specifications, because not really not everything is cast in stone. There's some times that uh, uh, maybe because of the nature of the business or because of the purpose of the uh, the entire campaign's operation, a particular banner created is doing much better because it's fitting into the objective or something. So you also need to go back into it after you've run for maybe a few days of exposure and optimize accordingly which specification is doing better, which platform is doing better, which one is not doing so well, so you can pause and move by to the ones that are doing better across these platforms that you've selected. Um, I, think, I think I've said too much. Okay, um, in addition to what Jenny said, I'll talk about creatives from a different side. So um, there's creatives in terms of images and all of that. There's also creatives in terms of video. And um, there's a stat that says that by 2019, 80% of all the content we would see on the internet would be video, right? So that means it's time that small businesses start paying attention to creating really exciting video content. Um, because, you know, they said, again, a picture is worth a thousand words. I like to say a video is worth a million pictures, right? Depending on the number of frames you have per second in your video, right? So again, thinking about how can I create really exciting videos. At Google, we sort of like shifted to, it's great to spend time telling a story, but the attention span, like Johnny said, and not just Nigerians, everywhere in the world, attention spans of people have reduced, right? So can you tell a story within three to six seconds, right? So we have an ad unit, for instance, that's called Bumper Ads, and we're challenging brands to reach, to reach out to their audience, recognize that people are accessing the media through their phones. There's a lot of other content that they can probably access, so if you cannot connect with them in three to six seconds, then you lose them, right? So it's a challenge for businesses to think about what's the key message I'm trying to drive? What's the key action I'm trying to get the user to take, right? And um, what is my brand in the center of that? And if I cannot tell my message within three to six seconds, whether I would have, when users are watching a video or when they are scrolling on their feeds and looking at images, then you lose out on them. So it's a challenge to, and we've seen very exciting businesses. There are a lot of them who have been able to creatively, you know, get their brands and get the word out there and get users to actually take action and buy or take whatever, um, do whatever they need them to do. Thank you. Um, so I want to open this up for questions from the audience. I also want to note that we have um, a question from our Twitter community. So um, as a reminder, if you want to ask a question, that's hashtag RDMLSW17. So this first question is from Chike on Twitter. He asked, can I use Google Analytics to gather data of people's cookies, or is there another tool for that? No, we cannot gather people's cookies, but you can understand who's coming to your own page, to your own website, right? And you can actually look, there's something called lookalike audiences or similar audiences, right? So you can use the information you have from your own page to find other people who exhibit similar traits to the people who's been to your website, right? So that's the part where you actually need to buy media, right? So I know that, oh, guys who living in Lagos between the ages of 25 and 35 at once come to my website, go look for other guys like them. And we're not just restricting them to the age uh, and the gender. 
other characteristics, like what kind of device do they come from, how much time do they spend online, what keywords do they search with, you know, all of these other features, right? So Google Analytics helps you understand what's happening from your own platforms, and then with our media buying tool, which is called AdWords, you can look for other people um, like them. Awesome, thank you. Another question here. Um, this is regarding Twin Pines specifically. How does the Twin Pines platform assist in targeting mobile customers? Is there any proprietary or novel technologies that you are using? Um, thank you very much. Um, yes, uh, Twin Pines works with its own proprietary technology, um, and our approach is in three layers, right? Data um, is at the base of that layer, um, channels, and then tools. Um, at the data layer, we have a data management platform, a DMP that aggregates data from different, different sources um, and makes sense of that data. We use that data to drive marketing campaigns uh, on the channels layer. Um, so what we've seen is there's, there's been a shift from focus on publishers or sites to focus on audiences um, because of um, increasing knowledge about people, knowledge about data. So back in the day, you will find an advertiser that says they want to target Bell Niger or Linda KG. Why? Because they feel there are certain people who go to those sites that they want to reach. Um, but today, you can actually target those kind of people regardless of where they are because you have knowledge about them. You know who those audiences are. And that's why it's important to have that data layer where you're making sense of the data about these audiences and you're able to activate that data in your marketing campaigns. Now, on the channels level, we are um, started out working with local publishers. In fact, at the time we launched um, in 2011, a lot of the local publishers in Nigeria um, do not have mobile sites. A lot of the big guys, I think it was only Vanguard that was sort of ahead. Um, so the likes of Punch and Guardian, they didn't have mobile sites. So they had desktop sites um, that people didn't remember. So it was a pain. Um, this was only six years ago. And so what we did then was to help a lot of these guys build um, mobile sites um, to, to improve the experience that the users had on mobile, right? Um, so in terms of that kind of um, engagement in the market, um, we have done a lot of work in terms of gathering that knowledge about people, about users, um, to activate that kind of data for, for advertisers. Um, in the last one year, we're working on a new product um, called Adrenaline. Um, what Adrenaline does is it opens up data even on the operator side um, and the channels on the operator side because we know that even with the number of people who are online, even the number of people who use social media and all that, the operator still has the mass number of people, right? So you have MTN having 60 million people, even compared to Facebook that has 18 million, that's, that's, that's really nothing, right? Or that's a really small percentage. So in terms of reaching people, um, it's important to, to be able to access channels that are not um, connected to the internet, access people on SMS, on USSD, and you also have data about those people, and you can use that to drive a lot of innovation. Uh, one thing we find, you find brands who want to reach people in the north, you know, remote parts of Nigeria, how do you do that? Those people are not on the internet, but they buy Dano milk, they buy, um, they, they make phone calls, they, they buy certain products, right? Um, so it's, you know, what we have been working on now is sort of bringing those two worlds together, the, the web 
and the non-web, right? Because that's where the magic really happens. Um, and then, and, you know, activating all that data across those channels for for marketing campaigns, we, we believe it's going to be very um, powerful. And we are starting to deploy such campaigns for for the likes of the banks and for the for the brands. Thank you. Um, any questions from the audience? Yes. Another microphone. Hello, everybody. Excuse me. Um, so my question is in twofold extent. Um, it's based on cost and behavior. The first part is okay. We're talking about startups, right? So, in let's say professional advice, what percentage of budget should be allocated to advertisement? And that cuts. I'm, I'm talking about from not just um, because I know definitely different products determine the kind of budgets that you definitely have to allocate to it. So, from someone like me that has a mass market product, but has a startup that has a uh, what do you call this now a relatively small budget, to those that have niche uh, what do you call it now products but have large markets, like large budgets, what percentage would you advise for that? And the other question would be, is there a difference in behavior when it comes to um, software-based companies to hardware-based companies, when it comes to advertising? Because if I have, a, you have an app as against I have a generator, is there a difference in how I should advertise or the kind of things that I should um, measure when advertising? Thank you. Um, the first question, I think everyone has answered a lot about that, and I think it does, there's no general rule for the percentage of your budget that should go into advertising. Right? That totally depends on how much money you have. You have right? I think what's important, again, is understanding how much it would cost you to acquire a customer and what value you would get back from that customer. Right, so if I know that I could spend 100 naira acquiring this customer and he's going to bring me back 10,000 naira, right, and when I factor in all my costs, I still have enough margin to take out my advertising, then it probably makes sense to invest that 100 naira even more acquiring that customer. So again, it goes back to you going to your own business, right, and understanding, okay, when I take out the cost of my business, of my product or service and every other thing that I need to, um, factor, what's the margin that is left, right? So if the margin, for instance, if, so if I'm selling a bottle of water for 100 naira, and by the time I take out all my costs, I still have about 15 naira, right, which I can use, which would come back as profit to me, then I can say, okay, to acquire that profit of 15 naira, I'm happy to invest to take out 10 naira, right, to get that customer, and I'll still have a margin of 14 years, then that works for me. That makes total sense for me, right? Even what would make sense is you know that you only have about a 15 year margin, and then you're spending 16 years to go acquire that customer. Then that totally doesn't make sense, right? So again, it, it depends on your own business and your business model and what works for you. Um, there's a second question. Um, Um, yeah, just to, just to add to what I uh, said for the for the first question. So, the two key important metrics for you to pay attention to in your marketing is the customer acquisition cost and the customer lifetime value. So, the CACCLV, the customer lifetime value is how much you hope to get from that customer as long as the person remains your customer. Um, for some businesses, it's kind of easier to track that. Um, for example, people who vast companies, for example, who sell mobile subscriptions to gaming video content. It's easier for them to say 
okay, I will, if I get this person to subscribe to my service, I will make this amount from this person in three months, right? Versus someone who is an e-commerce company. It's more difficult to predict. Maybe you can predict the customer lifetime value over time, right? But it's very important to have like estimates for those two because that's when your marketing begins to make sense. So you do want your, um, your, your acquisition cost to exceed the lifetime value of the user or even to be beyond a, perc uh, a percentage of that value. Um, the second question concerning how you should approach your marketing based on your product. It's a very, very good question. Um, now, for digital goods, um, apps, you know, whatever, your software, something that someone can actually access online, it's easier to measure conversions, right? I, I can easily track that this person has downloaded my app or this person has taken an action or has subscribed to this um, service that I have. Um, but for offline goods or retail goods or hard you know, products where the, the conversion happens offline, it's more difficult to track that and it's more important for you to, to create a kind of experience where it's easier to, to convert that user offline. Right, so if you're selling goods, for example, how do you measure that these this ads that you run at this particular time got people to walk into your store um, and for them to eventually buy? It's more difficult. I think in more advanced markets, um, it's easier to, to do those things because of the kind of technologies that they have adopted. But um, I, I'll just say that you know, it's important to pay attention to, to that execution end-to-end. Um, -end. Um, and also, I, I think there's a whole lot of opportunity there um, connecting offline and online because offline is very big in Nigeria. A lot of the money in Nigeria is made offline. Um, and, and digital is also you know, big and fast growing. So if you're able to connect the dots you know, between those two worlds, there's a whole lot of potential. Um, there's a whole lot of possibilities um, in that. So just pay attention to the experience, to the flow, um, to, to, to ensure that you're driving a lot of the activity online into offline um, sales. Ayo would help you with uh, like a lot of them. So Ayo's <laughs> platform. <laughs> so Google, yeah, you need to just go on and search, and you could just find find some of them. So there are a lot, but I just don't know them by name. Um, okay, so we're going to move on to the next question. Thank you very much. Uh, first of all, we've been talking about digital marketing and all of that. I. Do you think, my question is, do you think that digital marketing can um, integrate, integrate um, well, integrate shell, like it has um, taken over traditional marketing because of the, the generation that we're in. So um, my focus or my um, challenge has been um, digital marketing and how I could incorporate that also with traditional marketing because of the target market and audience that I'm dealing with in my business. So um, how do I um, synchronize that with digital marketing and how do they run concurrently? Yeah, thank you. So I, I wouldn't say traditional um, digital has taken over traditional. I, I would I wouldn't say that uh, because there are some campaigns that need an integrated marketing approach in order to drive the expected result or achieve the marketing objective. So if you want to run uh, a very simple digital campaign, it depends on what your product is. You know I don't know, but if you're trying to tie 
um, offline and online, it's very possible. You just need to understand exactly which what channels online and what channels offline, you know, would um, achieve your help you achieve your marketing objectives, right? So if you if you have an integrated marketing approach, it means you could run a display campaign or a video campaign. You could also have a billboard somewhere or a print. Uh, uh, an ad on the press. Uh, you can also, you know, do a radio jingle. You could do a TVC. You can merge. You can merge. You know, different channels. But there should be a synergy of all the channels, just so that it has a focus. It's driven towards uh, your goal, your marketing goal. If it's sales, okay. If I put this billboard along this road and they see my banner ad, also would it? make them you know, visit my site or would it make them visit my store if you have an offline store to purchase and all of that. So I wouldn't say some, I have experience with some clients who want to drive all their sales and marketing objectives on digital. It's not possible because marketing is, digital is just an arm. It's one of, you know, the, there's a promotion arm of even the four Ps. There are different things that define marketing, right? So uh, a, a marketing campaign, a huge marketing campaign cannot work alone on digital platforms. That's why we have different media, you know. So I just feel digital is no more superior to traditional. Neither is traditional more superior. You need to just find the strengths in each of the platform and know how to synergize them to achieve your goals. You know, you have to define your goals, pick out the platforms that will help you achieve them, and then, you know, merge them together to, to achieve that. Um, yeah, I, I think... Um I don't know who spoke about creating an experience, but being able to recreate the, ex the offline experience online um, is something that you can do with content marketing, right? Um, being able to capture, you know, so maybe your, you, you feel your product will best sell if, the, if people tasted it, right? Um, and so, you know, you found that more of those offline tastings are what help you sell more product, right? Being able to capture that experience and put it online um, can sometimes help you uh, in, in, in kind of like recreating that offline experience online, right? Um, I don't think digital marketing spend has has gotten anywhere close to traditional in Nigeria yet, but in you know in other um, in other places we're seeing a lot of a lot more digital marketing um, spend happening now. So I think I think it's a shift that is happening um, more and more. But if you feel like your product is a product that's best sold offline, you know, and you still want to take place with the you know you still want to take part in the digital marketing, creating that experience and kind of like capturing that experience and putting it online might be your best bet. Um. In the next, say, 30 years, right, all marketing will be digital, right? Um, so, yeah, you're probably on track, one, trying to bring all your marketing to digital, right? Maybe it's just a, a little bit early, but it's eventually going to happen. When you have self-driving cars, and all you're doing in those cars are, you know, just listening to music and watching movies, right? Um, you have the digital, all billboards are digital, your TV is smart, right, internet connected, you're streaming, no more DSTV, I hope there's nobody from DSTV here, but you're streaming, you know, channels and stuff, right, that's what's eventually going to happen. Every 
radio will be digital, everything will be digital. Um, and then we'll be able to measure effectively campaigns or maybe there'll be new ways of advertising, right? There'll be a lot of innovation in the space where um, advertising will not be the same way that we know it to be today. Now, I think what, what you can look at is finding ways to get um, your campaigns to work across platform, online and offline, syncing the communication, right? It can start online and end offline. It can start offline and end online. It can start online, go offline and come back online, like you said, you know, with a loop, right? So just think of ways to synchronize those um, activities regardless of the channel. So in marketing, you need to stop thinking about the channel. It's, it's really about the message first, the communication and what you want to achieve, and then look for ways to utilize various channels to, add, to achieve that um, objective. Great. So we have another question from Twitter. Chooks asked, how much reach can you get on mobile for digital, given most mobile users are not yet on smartphones? Do you want to take this? Um, oh, okay. Oh, okay. All right. Um, um, that's a very good question, actually. Um, I, I'm just thinking how do I put this question, really. Okay, to start with, um, very correct, there are quite a lot of feature phones in Nigeria. As a matter of fact, uh, the GSMA reports 20, as it's 2016, still shows that uh, feature phone is still over 60% in Nigeria. That's quite a lot. That means uh, smartphone is still between less than 30% there, but if my mathematics is correct. Uh, so how do we go about that? But again, looking at the categories of feature phones we have in Nigeria, we have semi-smartphones, which are still generally feature phones. Uh, and these semi-smartphones can do basic things um, smartphones can do. Uh, I would say any phone that can store Snapchat is a smartphone. Uh, if it can't do that, it's a feature phone. You know, uh, well, there are different school of thoughts that goes into different classifications and everything about it. But at the end of the day, it depends on what objective you're looking to drive. It depends on what what genre uh, of target audience you're looking to to, to reach, right? Uh, um, okay, we start to go on on, on our side, uh, and to go primarily is a feature phone hub, and this. App is is still very huge in Nigeria because of the feature phone penetration. And but what we've come to realize is that uh, what's the purchasing power of the target audience on those on those platforms? You know, because they are predominantly students, young guys who are yet who are still aspiring to get a smartphone one day. But one way or the other, they have to speak to the girl they've been admiring, and they go on to go and do all that. And uh, and Snapchat is not just their thing here because they're now up to eighteen; they can't do all that video calling and stuff like that. Uh, and the phone they had that passed down to them can take, you know, stuff like that. So now it depends on what your target audience is. Uh, what's the quality of, of value you're looking to get from this target audience? And what product are you selling, as a matter of fact? Uh, so it depends on the modalities that you, that you look at. I want to quickly also touch on the digital versus traditional. Uh, what I'd just like to say is that it depends on the perspectives we're looking at this and the way we're looking to, to integrate, you know, as a matter of fact, uh, because let's look at the numbers a bit. Uh, what's internet penetration in Nigeria? It's, a, it's about 48%, and it's seriously increasing. Uh, back then, at 20, 
2003, 2004, we all go to Starbucks Cafe before we can browse. But now everybody, I mean, my mom is on Facebook, my dad's on Instagram, and, and that means we're all getting smarter. We're all looking and driving to see what's the next thing we all can get to, and what's the, what's the smartest way. I mean, back in the day when I was in primary school, for you to know the circumstances of Nigeria, um, and you have to wait to four o'clock when NTA opens. You know, but now you can just go online. We have primary school students that are going online to answer the assignment and stuff. So we're all getting smarter. But what I think about it is that is the the approach that we use it. I mean, when brands have um, brainstorm sessions, let's don't let us have a traditional idea and try to deploy it on digital. I mean, it won't work that way. And that's the way. I'm not. Uh, I'm not going to blame brands or anything. But I think I rather just blame the structure because that's 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 where we are taught to see things. You know, you just receive an hire saying uh, we're looking to drive awareness and just deploy. And I mean, we have to have um, um, one idea that can cascade across the different platforms, and and it's it's just the approach that really matters. So I think um, it depends on the way we want to say it, depends on the way we want to leverage it, but in most importantly, we achieve the most result when everything is integrated, when there's one idea that cascades across all. I'm sorry if I may touch on the question from the guy on Twitter. So, um, like Johnny rightly said, smartphone penetration in Nigeria is still very low, but uh, that is the beauty of programmatic advertising. Um, so I'll take, for example, a Schemi DSP now. We are able to reach both smartphones and feature phone users. Why? Because we're connected to different SSPs, so ad exchanges, uh, DoubleClick being one of them, which is Google, and uh, <laughs> we're connected to Google, we're connected to Rubicon, Smarto, Mopop. So Google is big for, you know, uh, smartphone ads due to all the things they do, you know, video, YouTube, and all of that. All the other ad exchanges, for instance, focus on feature phones. Now, a feature phone basically is a phone that doesn't have an Android operating system or an iOS operating system, but you can browse on them, right? You can go on WhatsApp, you can go on Facebook, you can use Opera Mini, which helps you to um, reduce the amount of data you consume to, to reach your phone. So you can reach audiences on both smartphones and feature phones uh, because, well, we have them and there are other platforms probably that will have them. So they are not totally offline. You just need to know where, where to go, you know, to reach them. So smartphone penetration, feature, they're all, they're all there, but you just need to know which channel to use, to use them, basically. Um, at the end of the day, there are millions of traffic out there, right? We get this question of, oh, how many people can I reach? The question is, how many people do you need? Most of the time, you probably need 100,000 people or less, much less, right? And you probably can't even afford the 100,000 people, right? So it's, uh, for me, it's not a question of what's the reach, right? We have tons of traffic out there. There are millions of queries, there are millions of video views, all of that stuff is there. It's a question of how many people do you really need to reach? What's your budget? Because when you start calling all these big numbers, then budget becomes a problem, right? And I don't think we've gotten to the point where people have unlimited budgets in Nigeria, not yet, right? So again, I won't focus so much on how many people you can reach, right? I'll focus on how many people do you need to reach for your own business, right? And um, what's a cost-effective acquisition for you? Thank you. Um, any more questions from the audience? Okay. I think we can take one more. Uh, I just rest to ask a question regarding what you just said. Uh, when you say... Uh, how, how much how much people do you want to reach actually what's the so uh, if you're looking at target audience 
right, which we earlier said that it's best to identify your target audience first. Also, I will now ask, uh, if you're not big on the reach, how do you manage target audience? If your target audience is not on the reach that you may have, how do you manage it? Do you get a question, though? No, oh, sorry. Okay. Can you repeat the question? Okay, so you just mentioned that how much, how many people, or how much people do want to reach, right? And I'm saying if you're, if we're big on target audience, which is the essence of our discussion today, then sometimes your reach, the reach you have or the reach you currently manage, the target audience you're looking for, for that particular product or that particular client, might not be in that reach, right? So if, if the client is supposed to be focused on target audience, then it might want to reach, the reach might be just be vast. That's what, what, I'm trying, what I'm trying to say is that we cannot limit reach because reach is supposed to aid your target audience. Am I wrong here? Just to be sure. Okay, so I'm not saying limit reach. I'm saying focus on your own target market, right? So if, for instance, if you try to go the approach of reach, what would happen is that you start playing a percentages game and you start saying, I need to reach X percent of people and hope that 40% will convert or 40% is in my target audience, then 20% will convert, right? You can as well go do tradition, traditional and put a billboard out there, right? With digital, we're saying you have a pretty good idea of what your customer looks like, right? And you directly go and reach out to those people. And then we can then move into the conversation on how, how much of those people do you then need to speak to? That's a different conversation, right? But what I'm saying is that rather than focus on the whole, right, in terms of the total, we probably have, NCC says we have about nine, 103 million internet um, subscribers in Nigeria, we know that's not true, right? We need much less, probably around half or less than half of that, right? You can't possibly reach all of them, and you're not trying to play a percentage. If I know a pretty good idea of the number of people or the kind of people that would be interested in my product, right, then I put those criteria into the system and I directly speak to those people. So that's really my sort of like point of view. Does that make sense? It does, but uh, mobile. Yeah. So my focus is on mobile. So on mobile, oh sorry, my voice is loud enough. Okay, so on mobile, my question is, if you're focused on users, if uh, say my, 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 my product, the target audience are uh, not exactly smartphone users. Okay. As in, as in the last question. So how do I reach those people on mobile? Traditionally, traditional adverts, my traditional standard adverts might not necessarily capture them. And then Android or smartphone-related adverts may not necessarily capture them. So how do I capture, if you're not focusing on reach in that section, how do I capture them? Okay, so when you're using a feature phone, your feature phone is probably still powered by Android. Right? Most, and most feature phones in Nigeria are powered by Android. But Android probably has around a 70% OS share in the market, right? So, the question is really about, besides just reaching my audience, what do I need them to do? What action do I need them to do? Do I feel like a feature phone customer can buy what I need them to buy? If that's the case, then go and reach your feature phone customer. Also, bear in mind that most users in Nigeria have at least two phones, right? And there's also the conversation of what's really a smartphone? Most of these phones that you call feature phones can actually browse and you'll be surprised. Like you start seeing all sorts of people popping up. So again, I would, I would not really 
narrow myself with the whole feature phone conversation. I'd again focus on who the customer is, what I know about the customer, and how can I speak to that customer. Great, thank you. Okay, so right before we wrap up, there's just one more question that came in from Twitter. Um, so let me get there. Olekon from Twitter says, can I start awareness campaign of my brand before my uh, MVP, so I'm guessing product, becomes fully ready, or do I wait till it's fully functional? So can we start awareness for a brand, awareness campaign for a brand before it's ready, or should you start till it's, um, start only when it's fully functional? Um, I think you can, you can start before. I think, I think having a, um, uh, a very active, you know, pre-launch campaign is, 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 not, is not necessarily a bad thing. Creating some sort of anticipation for, uh, for the product before it comes out is not a bad thing. Uh, for the folks who want to focus, you know, on purchases, you know, you don't, you don't start to see purchases because the product is not ready, right? So for, for the folks where that's very important, then maybe it doesn't make sense. But I do think it's important if you have, you know, an active pre-launch pre campaign, um, once your product comes out, if there's enough awareness around it, it should help boost sales. Um, so I think it depends on uh, the approach you're taking for that. So if it's like uh, he said, a part of a campaign, because we have people who they're ready, they know when the product is going to be ready, so they plan uh, like a three-month or six-month campaign based on that and say for February to March, for instance, we'll do a teaser campaign to whet people's appetite, you know, to just create that demand so that when the phone is out in April, everyone rushes. Like, for example, the iPhone 8, there was a lot of buzz before they even, you know, allow people to start purchasing it. But that can work, but it could also backfire on you as a brand. So I had a case study, worked with a, a brand, and so they created this, you know, huge awareness. It's, it's more of a popular brand. Huge awareness about a particular product, you know, different SKU, different variants of the product. And everyone started rushing the product, both online and offline, and then the stock ran out. And you've created more demand that you can supply. And then by the time you're ready to get in another, you know, because they import the product. So before the other one comes, people are like, uh, the whole, you know, vibe and all that you created has died. And you have to start all, it's like you started your campaign all over again to get those guys to come back to purchase the product. Because like, you know, Johnny rightly mentioned, in Nigeria we're very, you know, our attention span is so short. If you don't capture it at that moment, you're most likely to, you know, lose the audience. And to today, this happened in August, and to today the product is still not in Nigeria after creating the you know, awareness. So it, it depends. You need to be sure that your product is going to launch, is going to be available when you say it's going to be available, and people would. So imagine the iPhone 8 with all the balls, people lined up and on, it wasn't there. It's going to be like catastrophic. Same thing with the Samsung S8. I think there was this Unbox Your Phone campaign before it came out, and everyone was already seeing the features of the S8, and when you go into stores, you can actually get it, right? But if you don't have that accurate planning, it could backfire. So it works both ways. You have to be sure you have your products in stock enough to cater for the demand you're trying to, you know, create. So if you want to limit the demand based on the supply you know you're going to have, then don't go too loud about it. Look for your target audience who have the purchasing power to get your product and the channels where you can find them and speak to them only. Don't then do a Pan-African nationwide integrated marketing campaign everywhere and then 
they start asking for your product and like, sorry, it's coming. It's just, it just doesn't work well. So just be sure of your strategy before you do that, basically. Okay, so I think that wraps up the session. I just want to thank you guys for your time. You've been incredible. Let's give our panel a round of applause. joining us stay tuned to our next episode subscribe to us at startup lagos on twitter instagram youtube and facebook visit us at www.startuplagos.co